edition of the Mindset Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. Before we get started with this week's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners, and if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show, I've got Mike, Marsh, Marston, is that Marsha. correctly? So, thank, <laughs> so welcome on to the show, Mike. Thank you. I appreciate you having me here. So can you give a brief introduction to who you are and what you do? <sighs> who I am? Well, my name is White Mike. I do a number of different things, and honestly, it's changed a lot, but it's all kind of stemmed from uh, from my health uh, originally. So like, I've been, it was basically, when was it, after... After I deployed to Afghanistan with the army and kind of like after college too, I was studying nutrition. I got really into like changing myself. You know, I realized I didn't like a lot of different things. So that's when how I got into nutrition, and that's kind of really when I changing that changed everything for me. So then I was like, oh my god, what else can I change? So from that time, you know, I've been nutritionist, personal training, and then all this kind of different stuff, and and now. Uh, it's shifted again, so this is you know it's a tough question to sometimes answer, but <laughs> I guess to boil it all really down, what I do is help people live up to their full potential, uh, and I do that in a number of different ways. You know, I started doing it with through like health and nutrition and fitness, but now so I uh, more into like the spirituality approach that I take to things and changing people's beliefs, so reprogramming the subconscious mind to change beliefs instantly. Uh, so that we can you know, live up to our full potential, get rid of all the fears and all the doubt and all the stuff that holds us back and we hold on to on the inside. So does that answer your question at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mike. So, so talk to me about your mindset, how it shifted, obviously, from going from that military environment to where you are now. Okay, well, it's shifted a lot. So the first thing, what really sticks out is when I did change some things nutritionally, because uh, I, I was studying nutrition, kind of following like the basic advice you know that's taught in traditional dietetics. Uh, but then after going, doing some more knowledge and changing some things, I just had a, a very sudden shift. Like I had tons of energy, my brain was working super well, like all this stuff. But like you know, I was a really fit, dude. Like I was you know, big and muscular. Like I had a six pack, was in really good shape and strong. So everyone kind of thought I was healthy and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my god. Like, but that's not healthy. I wasn't healthy because you know, I just felt so much better. So like, what's significant about that was that was really the point where I, I took my power back, as I call it, because that was like my changing point where I was like, wow, I'm not stuck. You know, I can change. Uh, and so that was the most significant like in the starting off. And then it evolved. And then I got into other like mindset work and stuff like that. And then kind of went down the 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 road that traditional personal development teaches a lot of like affirmations and like all these different things and. I just always had to have something in my ears, like motivational, something like going on. I like had to, or else like my thoughts would just take me over, and it was the only way I could really push forward. And so, what recently is um, happened that shifted again is kind of all that stopped, and I realized that that wasn't the only way to go about doing things, and that you can actually like clear out fears and doubt at the source. Uh, so now I don't need to. I you know, drown out thoughts with like motivational things, and you know I don't. My mind doesn't race at night. I just kind of lie down. There's not really anything to worry about, and I just you know feel really good and calm. So that's kind of like the those two big things. Where one was like taking my taking control back, realizing I can change, and then the second was realizing that I didn't have to like fight anymore, you know, and like just like 
battle the the doubt and the fear and all these different thoughts that come up and then I can clear those out. So those are the two significant things. So talk to me a little bit more about how, how you go about um, changing that sense of fear and self-doubt. How, how have you gone about it and how can people kind of change the way they think to a certain extent? Yeah. Okay. So I'm not sure about you know what you're into exactly and your listeners are. So like the the way I do it now is with a type of I guess energy healing you could call it. So yeah, it does use. Um, I initially started doing like something called theta healing, which uses like the, the universe the energy from the universe to do it. And then I've been showing a new technique where you can actually do it within your heart. So using the power within your own heart. And I created a meditation. Uh, that that kind of guides you through this, and you can you know within your own heart clear out some of these beliefs because you know your heart holds the truth, and if you are connected with you know some of us we all live in our head for the most part, um, but ideally you know we're supposed to live from our heart, and then the head's supposed to be there just to kind of like help us figure things out, and like I you know my heart says I need to do this, all right brain you know like let's use our logic to make it happen, but most people are just kind of stuck up here all the time. So when you're able to go down into the heart, you um, a lot of these fears and these things get released because you realize they're not true. <laughs> and, you know, it's more of like the ego and things like that. So connecting with your heart is one way to do that. And then there's like, I mentioned the theta healing and stuff. And so that, you know, you need to be, I guess, kind of believe in like energy healing and stuff like that. And for those who aren't quite there yet, I used to just do a lot of different belief work around just doing like some digging on myself, like whenever I got like a trigger or a feeling, like a tension in my gut, like, okay, you know, why am I feeling this? And kind of like write it down, journal it down, and just keep digging and finding the core beliefs and then changing those beliefs by questioning them. Like, is this belief justified? Um, does it make me feel good? Uh, and, and then is it, oh, is it true? And so by finding these core beliefs that you might have in the bottom, after doing like some digging, you can ask those few questions and then that'll start to help change the way you think about it as well. Is it a case of a little bit along the lines of mindfulness? A little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, I you have to be mindful of what you're doing, right? So, yeah, it's definitely using awareness. So even, even that alone, just being aware, like say we're talking about like getting rid of negative thoughts. So if you can start like a, an awareness practice of, just noticing when these thoughts arise like, and where they're coming from and starting to just to pay attention to it, like being mindful of it, then, uh, you know, that on one level, too, will start to shift things. And then I like the other type of stuff to, to go deep and to like, clear things from the root. But, you know, if someone's just starting off and like have a lot of like negative thoughts, and, like what the heck's this guy talking about? Energy healing is crazy. And then, you know, a good way, a good way to start to be just uh, just being aware of of your thoughts and paying attention to them and of being like the, the third party observer instead of like identifying with them, just like noticing when they come up, observing them and, you know, kind of recognizing that they're not you per se. Would it be a case of obviously a good way of doing it would be to some extent journaling that so you can see when you're obviously having these either negative thoughts or some, in some cases you could probably look at it from the other aspect of, uh, when when am I joyful, happy? What are these kind of events that kind of are making me feel this way? And you can kind of write down when these are, are occurring, and you can kind of say, well, well, this is the factor that is actually making me feel like this way. 
Yeah, so using journaling instead of just like kind of being aware of it in your head, is that what you're asking? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's always helps, you know, writing things down and stuff like that. But I, I think it just depends where you are and like what you're doing. So if you have like time set aside specifically for journaling, that can help because um, not everyone can just like in the middle of you know, whatever at work or wherever they are or on a, in the car, like to just like start journaling stuff or if you don't have like a pen. Like, so I, I, I don't do much journaling like that, but I know I have a lot of clients who do. So yeah, you can definitely do it or you can just kind of do like the both, like have some specific time for journaling or take notes of things over the day and then journal on it later. So there's a lot of different ways to go about it. But yeah, that's a lot of people definitely like that approach. But does it come back to obviously that psychological approach to kind of reflecting on, to a certain extent, what's happened to you internally, but external factors as well? Um, so what are you asking exactly? Um, it, it's kind of using that psycholo- psychological term of reflecting on something that's occurred. And to kind of okay. using well, it's probably using both our analogies of uh, healing and mindfulness as as to, and bringing it into a, a case of looking upon something that's happened to you. Okay, why is X Y Z happened? And and kind of uh, using that to kind of find a way to resolve a certain issue. I mean, you got to go with whatever is within your, you know, current set of things, you know, that you have available to you. And like spirituality is different for everyone, right? Like to me, that word just simply means like kind of the non-physical, so the the internal stuff. So that can be anywhere between just like your values or to even to something like actually like energy healing and, you know, using like the energy of the universe, like healing yourself and stuff like that. So yeah, to me, it's, it's really something that everyone should kind of define themselves and, but basically just the inside stuff. So I think reflecting is, is a piece of that, you know, it's focused reflecting on the internal, you know, what's going on in here and then starting to be aware of it so that you can then take control of it or, I don't necessarily like the word like control, but to just kind of like understand and understand it and master it. I kind of like the word master better. Um, not as in like this like controlling, mastering way, but just like, you know, to truly like be the master of something, you know, to be the master of your own inner game, of your own mind. Um, so yeah, I think reflection is, is, is helpful, sure, but I don't think it's just the beginning. And what are some, uh, like to get from, like you were saying, the beginning of your clients do journaling to get into probably a little bit deeper and looking at the spiritual side of it. How does somebody get from obviously point A to what you could say point B? What are the kind of steps in between? What are they trying to achieve? Um, what's point A? What's point B? What's point B? Well, the general ones would be a better well-being. Um, obviously, from a mental state, you obviously most people focus on obviously um, when they're trying to look at the getting healthy. They only look at obviously the the fitness and the nutritional side of things. Most people don't look at 
obviously the third one, or how do I feel within myself and my mental state. So it's kind of probably from that one, what would be a, a proponent for each one of those to get from point A to point B from a mental perspective? Okay, yeah, from a mental perspective. And so, yeah, I, I really like focusing on that topic too because especially doing like a lot of the work I've been doing, I've come to find out a lot of the physical problems that people have are emotional. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's really good to get a handle on that kind of things because our body stores, there's even a book called Molecules of Emotion, like our, our, our cells store like these like almost like toxic emotions and, and negativity and fears and stuff. We, we hold that within our body physically. Um, so someone getting from point A to point B, again, depends where they are. Um, you know, if they're somewhere, if they're really kind of down in the pits, I think starting with, you know, just like that type of reflection uh, and awareness and noticing those thoughts, maybe even doing some meditation if they're open to it and, you know, recon like recognizing these thoughts, realizing that, you know, they're not, it's not them, then so that they're not identifying with them. Um, most, a lot of people come to me are a little bit past that, and so they're ready to just break through whatever's in their way. They're like, okay, let's do this. And so then I, yeah, I like to just start like finding the fears, the core beliefs, the core fears, and then digging into those and then clearing them out. And so that could be, so we're trying to, uh, you know, someone who's depressed or anxious and it starts with asking why. <laughs> And, you know, but to like really chase it, like so depression, anxiety is so common, you know, this day, like so many people, like I'm sure all of us experienced it at some point uh, and, you know, it's affecting a lot of people, but those are coming from fears and beliefs and you can clear fears and you can change beliefs. So every fear has a belief behind it. If you change the belief, you change the fear. And so no one needs to have depression or anxiety. Um, so yeah, I would start off by, it depends on what's going on. Maybe there's a particular situation or the way they're treating themselves or it's something they're feeling. I like to chase body feelings. So you can like do like this digging kind of stuff. That's I go on feelings. Like, all right, you know, I feel it in my heart or my chest or maybe in like the solar plexus. And then, okay, okay, I connect people, have them connect with their heart and just relax. And then I'll ask them, all right, so what is, what is that feeling? Is it? Is it an anxious feeling? Is it a fear? Is it an emotion? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like a fear. Okay, fear of what? And then I'm leaving the logical mind out of this, have them come up with the answers, and they always come up with the answers. Um, and then it usually goes back down to childhood, <laughs> uh, but unless they've already like, cleared all that stuff before. So a lot of it has to do with just you know, how we were raised in childhood and these different beliefs that we pick up from our parents, from society, and all this stuff. And then we kind of realize that you know, we have these uh, beliefs stored in our subconscious and that's out of alignment with our conscious mind and you know that's causing conflict within the body it's causing anxiety that's causing depression and uh, so figuring out what that is and then clearing it out so that you can get more aligned and then you know but like once you do it it's just it's gone and so it's not and maybe something else will pop up but that specific issue will be gone so that's basically going from that point a to point b it's like okay you know, what's going on right now and then digging finding the core beliefs and then pulling those so, for example, I've been doing a lot of like money stuff with people too, because money is like, and that you know affects your mentality a lot, um, you know, and that's like one of the basic needs, and so many people have so much fear around that. So we'll go in, and then just start like right away, like okay, why are you feeling that way, and then figure it out. It's a fear of you know, figure out what the fear is, 
you know, and then when was the first time you experienced that? And then, you know, again, it usually starts off going, going into childhood and something around, you know, not feeling safe. Oh, I just actually did one that was really strong the other day. Oh, this woman, a client of mine, she, she had a fear of being broke because when she was a child, her mother, when they were broke, made her beg, made her beg for food. Like she literally had to go out as a little girl and like beg people for food. So now this fear of like being broke and not having enough money literally makes her like sick and crazy and like, you know, like just nauseous. And so like, you know, she's this baseline kind of thing around money that someone would experience as anxiety. Uh, if you know, you go d- down deeper, deeper, and then all of a sudden it's a fear of being broke. Why do you have a fear of being broke? Because if I'm broke, I'll have to beg. And so like changing that belief cleared out a lot of that uh, tension. That's probably a, 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 would that not be a, that's probably a worst case scenario, but what, why, why do some people have monetary issues? Because to some extent, you could say having money is to a certain extent superficial because you don't have to have a lot of money to be happy. You don't, but money issues are never really money issues. <laughs> they, they go back to childhood, they go back to self-worth, they go back to you know deservingness, they go back to self-worth. Yeah, like being deserving, being worthy, being loved, how are you loved as a child and stuff like that. And so people, so when you when you go to the root of money issues, they're like nothing to do with money and everything to do with self-worth. And, and money is important. Like, yeah, you don't need money to be happy. Maybe, it depends where you live. Most people need money to be happy, right? Um, because of just the, you know, under like the certain circumstances. And so money is good. Money, you can be happy and have money. And it's a you know, great thing. It's one of the essential needs, right? So we should need have money to be able to support ourselves. So if we have a fear of not being able to support ourselves, that's a basic, basic need that's not being met. You know, like, it's like not having shelter. You, know, you need shelter. You need, you need the basics. And money is a way to get the basics. So I think it is very important. You know, it's not essential to happiness. You can be happy without it, but it's going to make your life a lot better, mm. especially when you're not worrying about it. And to kind of come back to that point of self-worth, does it come back to different situations, uh, like you said, with people's childhood, uh, with them putting them in uh, difficult situations of, like you said, uh, okay, if you don't have money, uh, you don't obviously have housing. So does it come back to, obviously, it's going to be, not just that one issue, it's going to be multiple, in some cases, multiple facets that underline that one issue. Yeah, there's a lot of different things that, you know, everything's connected to everything, you know, to one extent. Um, and so for, like, the, the money and going back to childhood, uh, I, I work with people in a lot of, like, the what they, they don't know, you know, what you don't know that you don't know. So there's, like, you know, what you know which you know you don't know, and then which you, you know, you don't know that <laughs> you don't know. And so that's end up what I, you know, that ends up being like how I connect these things with people. You know, people who are, you know, even like 40, 50 years old, and I'm connecting things that they didn't know about that happened when they were five. And they're like, oh my God, I can't believe that was there. And so, yeah, and so going back, relating it to like this self-worth stuff, it, it comes down to like a, this belief of not being good enough and then you just kind of end up chasing, why aren't you good enough? And then for most people, it does go back to the childhood because, uh, you know, because my parents, because my parents got a divorce and, you know, at this age. So anyone with a divorce, especially when they're between like 
one in seven definitely has a lot of subconscious beliefs that are holding them back. Um, and then, so yeah, it could be anywhere from being between like divorce issues. It could be because my you know father you know was never said he was proud of me. You know, he just told me to do better. He nitpicked all these different things. Um, you know, used to get angry because you know, my mother wasn't emotionally available, or because of like a specific circumstance or incident that happened. One of them, <laughs> or is kind of okay. There's a couple different things I was thinking of. So one was this, and this woman she remembered it vividly. So she remembered a time when she was two years old that she was left in the crib crying in, in like a little onesie just like covered in sweat and like it didn't really fit and like the feet were covered and she just cried and cried and no one came. So from that instance, when she was two years old, she had this belief of literally being unloved and, you know, which is connected to like a self-worth issue. Because when you go back to like self-worth, why? Because, you know, it doesn't know what love feels like because that happened when you were two years old and she remembered it too. She was like 30 something. And it's absolutely incredible how this little things like that can affect you. And so it's like, that's a really important age because, was it from like one for zero to seven years old? You're, you know, you don't even, kids don't even have like a conscious mind yet. Like they're just absorbing everything. Everything that happens is just truth. You know, it just filters in and it's stuck there. And it stays there until you like, unless you clear it. And so you're basically in that like, hypnotic brainwave. And so anything that happens from when you're within that time frame, even if it's getting left in a crib, like that's going to be stuck in your subconscious mind. But is there not what a way around? it without uh obviously reflecting upon that is the core factor that made me have self-doubt could you not um get to a stage where you are starting to look at yourself uh, from that proponent of loving yourself could you not override that factor or is that not possible so, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not sure anything's possible, right? It's, you know, to use, you know, so if you start using your, you know, your intention, your conscious mind, right, to, and then practicing, doing like certain practices, then yeah, you can absolutely start to create more of whatever it is, self-love, self-worth and stuff like that, um, for sure. And you should definitely do that, even if you are doing the other stuff, you know, still do that. Um, but it will take a lot longer and it may or may not work like you know, for, for me at least. And for a lot of people I've worked with that, you know, just, it's not quite enough unless you're you know, maybe a little bit more adamant about it, but it's so hard to be if you still have those like subconscious things going on in the past. So, I mean, it's a hundred percent going to be helpful and <laughs> you can still do great and amazing things. You know, people do it all the time and you know, who haven't done, gone back and like, cleared all their traumas from like growing up. Um, but, you know, this is just one way to help speed up the process, to make life not be such a struggle and so hard and stuff like that. So, you know, just clear it up quickly. <laughs> and then in your opinion, Mike, uh, do you think that in this day and age, uh, people are more concerned, uh, obviously, of what others think of themselves as opposed to uh, what they think of themselves? Obviously, that culture of... Uh, looking at perfection on social media and the media obviously portraying this is what you should look like yeah yeah there's definitely a huge huge disconnect going on um 
And so, so yeah, it certainly appears that way. And so that's why I, I guess, advocate for everyone to start try you know, live from that heart instead of from that head. Because when you're living from the heart, like, you don't really do that stuff or you need to feel the need to do that stuff, you know, with all the, the judgment and all these kind of like fears and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a big problem, yeah. Do you, do you think it's going to get only going to get worse though? Because obviously, uh, obviously the younger generation, are, um, trying not to generalize, but we'll say about fifty percent of the time, obviously engaged, engrossed into their, well, be it gadgets, and obviously not engaging with their either their family or the outside world, and obviously this is kind of to a certain extent they're stuck in this this bubble. Yeah, yeah, and it's it depends because you know there's things like that going on at the same time, but and depend there's also a lot of other things and like other movements going on at the same time. Uh, so I guess it depends like why kind of where your attention goes. And one way they kind of look at it is almost just like on a personal level compared to like this like big collective consciousness level, where um, you know so most people you know they might not come to you know work with someone to you know get their mindset right, you know, until they hit like a rock bottom. You know, most people wait until something really bad happens. Uh, and that very well could be what has happening to the collective consciousness too. So yeah, there's a very good chance that things could get worse before they get better. Uh, so there's a point where like, Oh wow. Like we should probably do something to change. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think it's a very good possibility that all the stuff that's going on is a good chance it will get worse. I'm sure it will get worse for a lot of people, but then, you know, there, there will be other people out there too who aren't suffering from it. So we shall see. <laughs> but it, I think it comes back to that point, um, where I think most of the younger generation is kind of manipulated to some extent, be it the media, um, quote unquote, what somebody somebody's famous because they're popular uh, on social media, and people kind of follow those views because they are. I won't say in tune with their own beliefs, but they kind of say, "Well, this is what so and so believes. I believe that too." Whereas I think most people won't kind of. Uh, question somebody else's belief because they've kind of following the tide whereas that's probably not a good thing in the long run because you're getting people they're kind of like they're like sheep they're following the the shepherd whereas people okay at times you could possibly do that but you should question things yeah yeah i think it's important to question things and to question your beliefs. I think uh, you know it's so hard for some reason for so many people to to question their own beliefs. And honestly, that's why I, when I was doing focusing solely on health with uh, yeah, my nutrition and and fitness stuff, I, I know, a big part of the program was questioning your beliefs around you know health stuff. So like food in specific, food in particular. Um, you know, we have a, a great program to heal people's relationships with food, but you have to learn why you don't have a healthy relationship, right? Like that reflection. And it seems like people just have such a, such a difficult time 
to question their own beliefs. <laughs> uh, so hopefully that will start to shift. And I noticed now that I work with a lot more people who are into spirituality, they're much more open to it and they have no problem going in and like accepting the fact that, you know, it's that there's, I guess for lack of a better word, there's something wrong with them, but because it's not like there's anything wrong with them, but like to at least acknowledge that something needs to be healed in order to get to like this new spot. Um, but like a lot of people I noticed uh, who aren't as much into that are very, very resistant <laughs> to looking into their own beliefs, to asking these kind of questions, to looking into their own head. Like, you see those studies um, with like showing that, I forget that percentage, but more people would rather be shocked, like physically shocked than be alone and with their own thoughts for like 10 minutes and stuff like that. Like people hate being in their own head. It's definitely a big generalization, but they, you know, they they are afraid of their own thoughts and they're afraid to question their beliefs because if I question my beliefs, then no, oh, that means all this was wrong and I could be living a lie. I've got things just going insane. And, uh, so I don't even remember the question, but yeah, I think there's <laughs> uh, people are very resistant to questioning their beliefs, and there's also some people who aren't. Like, so, but um, yeah, I think it's important that people do open themselves up to looking in really but i think it comes back to that point that you should question your beliefs because you if we come back to that point of fears and anxiety you've got those negative thoughts within your head oh you you can't do this you can't do that but if you think deep within yourself and think well and actually question that that's in some cases Oh, you, this this thought may say, oh, if we're using an analogy, uh, as an example, oh, you can't lift this amount of weight, or you don't look. Well, use the analogy of probably the fitness one uh, and well-being, as you don't look good in a certain uh, dress or as a for a woman, you're thinking, well, mm -hmm. if you look at that and actually analyze, well, it could be the fit of the dress isn't quite right. It's it's not you per se that is the problem. Mm -hmm. It's kind of kind of challenging those inner belief, those inner beliefs and demons to a certain extent, and saying, "Well, if you use probably a better one, are you, oh, I, I'm stupid." Well, if you use the con use it into the context, well, you might have done something stupid, but you aren't stupid. To, mm -hmm. to, to kind of make that so it's kind of challenging those negative thoughts and those negative uh, word wording that you say to yourself well it's not you should kind of reevaluate it as do you truly believe that are you actually what you say you are you're thinking of the grand scheme of things probably not but you, you if you start going down that one and believing it you're gonna obviously think that's the case all the percent, all the well, not hundred percent of the time, but majority of the time, that that is that's the that's you the norm, and you kind of can't get out of that vicious circle. Mm. Was there was there a question in that? Um, but does does it is do you would you say that you were saying the majority of people do question their, their beliefs so they would probably be okay because they would question things of that nature because they're they're accepting of the fact that I need to question things left, right and centre. It's more so the people that 
are afraid to question their inner beliefs would we'll, we'll struggle more so with that. Would you, would you agree with that sentiment? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying too, is that people are a lot of initially are resistant to questioning their own beliefs until to really doing that, that inner work and sitting with it. But then once they do, like a lot of people change it really quickly. Like, wait a second, that's not scary. That's not true. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's like I think it's it's pretty empowering for people to do that. But does that, like you were saying, with the monetary issue, uh, does this the self doubt come back to a initial um, factor in somebody's life as well, as to why they think like that and are not willing to question something? So, yeah, I mean, I think everything is connected to something like any belief is is connected to something you know, had to come from somewhere. Um, so, yeah, it's important to kind of engage and figure that out. Yeah, it's kind of like the what you don't know that you don't know aspect that I was talking about. Um, but when you go and like change some of that and so let's see, OK, I work with working speaking of like kind of body image doubt. I did a session with someone and she has a lot of body issues and yeah, some, some food issues and other health issues, but a lot of like body issues and super self-conscious and then going and doing the digging work. And I was able to go back to a particular instance, you know, ask her some questions like, okay, when was the first time you felt like that? And when was the first time that happened? And I go back to, you know, like a, I think it was a, a breakup in like, early high school or middle school or something like that. And when she broke up with her, with her boyfriend and boyfriend like, said all these like, mean things to her and or that, she was like ugly or fat or something like that. And it's like that one instant is still carrying with her you know, today of her not believing that, you know, she's, that she's beautiful. Uh, and so she has all these like self kind of self doubt things and majority of them stemming from that one scenario. Um, so yeah, I think that's, one example, kind of what you're talking about, and for, for females in particular, males not so much. Probably more like a, just like multiple things over time. But I noticed that females, they always have like, especially when it comes to like food relationship or body relationship, like that. That they remember like that one time, <laughs> that one time that you know this coach called me fat in middle school, or, you know told me I had to eat less, or the one time my mom squeezed my fat and said you got to get rid of that, or the one time you know this person called me that name in college and. Like most so, and then they have like these crazy beliefs, and they start dieting, and they hate their bodies, and they, you know they carry they carry that stuff with them. So, I think is that kind of like answering your question, like how those things in the past can relate to things and those those general thoughts in the future. And why is it the case that men, it's it kind of builds over time? Is it does it come back to that a little bit of that male bravado that we kind of want to bottle it up then? Yeah, it could be. I don't know. I think maybe our brains work a little differently too. I I think. I'm actually now that you say that I remember this one book, Brain Rules, and he's I think that women are more specific than men, and men are like they remember more so in general generalizations, and females remember specifics more. I'm that could be that part of it, uh, but yeah, I don't know the the full answer to that, <laughs> or is it because we're just more stubborn or something? Who knows? <laughs> well, that's probably well, it's it's if we generalize, men are less. Uh, willing to men, open up men, the, oh no that didn't bother me no, I can't be that one little instance I would never <laughs> oh no but it's in most cases you can tell with with males if it is bothering because their body language will be slightly off uh, facial expression yeah, it's, it's, it'll be yeah I might say it's 
everything is okay, but in most cases it's a, bl- a straight up lie. Yeah. Some something <laughs> has bothered you. Yeah. And you're not so willing to kind of pump all those things. Yeah, for sure. So I think we'll wrap it up there, Mike. So if you could get wrap the podcast up in one sentence for the listeners to take away, what would that be? Follow your heart. Well, I think it comes back to that that notion that we're told, obviously, to f- listen to our brain more than our heart. But then if you come back to that analogy... Uh, if I use this sport analogy, you want to love something that you want to do something that you love. Obviously, you're gonna be more successful in that. Okay, you gotta use your head to some extent, but it's like you say, following your heart. In most cases, you're gonna enjoy what you do. So I think that's a great tip to take away. Yeah, and then real quick on that, it's just if you want a. a Great picture of everything that we've been kind of talking about in this uh, in this episode here. Watch the movie Moana. Have you seen that? I've not seen it yet. I've seen I've seen the uh, like preview like long long time ago, but I've heard great uh, reviews about it. Yeah, you can find examples of everything that we've talked about in this in the show in that movie. That's, well, that's a good. Tip. I, I won't I won't spoil it. <laughs> That's a good tip for obviously the listeners. I'll, I'll I'll definitely go and try and check that out now. Yeah, it's good. So once again, Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I uh, appreciate it. And if anyone's kind of interested in what I'm talking about, then you can head head over to spiritualityformen.com. When any women listening, you can go there too. I work with a lot of women, uh, and then there, I have a heart meditation where that can help you start just connecting with your heart, clearing some fears and negativity using your heart, and then kind of just you know, manifesting from the heart as well. Thanks for sharing that, Mike. And before I forget, if you wanted to see the video version of this podcast, just type in Mindset Game TV on YouTube, and it should come up. Once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.